Father, we thank you for today, and we ask that your spirit would move within us. Each one of our lives are a sacrifice ready to be offered to you, to your service, not only to the kingdom of God that is not visible, but also to the kingdom of God that is visible. Among the people who are here, Lord, may our lives be a blessing and be a service to those who are around us, and that we would not live for ourselves, but that we would live for you to honor and to glorify the Son of God. In your name we pray, amen. We'll be in Philippians chapter 2. The text today is verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. In an age where everyone lived for themselves, and even our parents and people around us says that you are on your own. You got to live for yourself, you got to fend for yourself, you got to take whatever you can because no one else will. This is how we are being taught today. And this is, unfortunately, even some Christians' family teach their children to live for themselves, to be so selfish. What's mine is mine and what yours is mine, the mentality. And you say, I never teach my kids that. But if you don't teach your kids to be humble and to be selfless, they will naturally become selfish and become arrogant. So the church, we need to look at what it means to be Christ-like or to be Christian by looking at Jesus Christ. And the more we resemble Christ, the less we resemble ourselves because Christ is so different than us. If you look at society today and you look at the world today, you look at your friends today, and everybody is selfish. And because everyone is selfish, it makes you selfish. And when everyone is selfish, we all have to fight each other for the things that we want. And is that the world that you want to live in? We want everybody to be generous except me. Take for example, my time. We are so stingy with our time, but yet we are very generous with other people's time, don't we? How you view other people's time. Do you care about people waiting for you? Or are you angry when you have to wait for other people? That is a form of selfishness. That is a form of subtle selfishness that we have. And it's just one form. But in general, we are selfish in many ways. So let us look at Jesus Christ and see how his life was lived compared to how we live our lives and see how his life was a life that we should imitate. Because without Jesus Christ and without living like Jesus Christ and having a life like Jesus Christ, this world is a horrible place to live. And everybody live for themselves, selfish, have their own agenda, have their own will. Not only we are selfish, but we make our selfishness so visible and so loud today. You eat something that you don't like, you make a comment, you make your face, and you cause other people around you to not able to enjoy, or even have a, their own opinion because you are already giving your own selfish comments on what is supposed to be a private thing for everyone to do. So even in those subtle moments and attitude, we express our individuality is another word for selfishness at the expense of everyone else. So let's look at Jesus Christ, examine the life of Jesus, and you can see how distant and how contrasting the life of Jesus Christ is versus how we live our life. And unfortunately, society doesn't teach you this. Unfortunately, social media teach you to present yourself in such a way that makes other people envious, doesn't it? Look at me, look at this portrait of me, look at this selfie of me, and other people become envious and they become 
self-aware and conscious of what they look like, what happened? There's, there's envy, there's strife, there's anger, there's resentment. There's a term called resentment because society has become so resentful of everyone else in such an implicit way because we broadcast everything from our faces to the food we eat. Wait, 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 don't eat yet. Let me take a picture of my food first and then I'll post it on there so everyone else can be envious of what I'm eating right now. We not, might not look at it in that term, but then if you think about it, that's what we're doing, right? Look, I'm enjoying my life. What are you doing? Studying? Why would you do that? We broadcast and social media and the internet, what do you do? You go onto YouTube and what do you watch? Things that people do. Things that people do. We watch things that people do. Think about how, how selfish that is. And why do they do those things? Because they want to show you that they can't do these things while, haha, you can't. And we become envious, resentful of all these things that are happening. That is not the life of Jesus Christ. It does not teach the church that. And the church has tried to become accommodating to everything that's going on. And we betray the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is the life of Jesus Christ. And what is that life? It's a selfless life. It's a life that is humble, live in humility, that doesn't seek its own will or self on behalf of everyone else. That is the world that I want to live in. I don't want to live in a world where everyone is selfish. So as the world becomes more connected, every person wants to distinguish themselves from everyone else. You see someone else have something and you want to do something better. So we get closer and closer to the edge to take that one picture. And unfortunately, some of them fall off because you want to do one better than what's out there. So the masses continue to expand as more and more people get connected into this thing we call the internet. And as the masses come in more and more, you become less and less able to become individuals. Just sheer number, probability. More people come in, more people want to distinguish themselves, less people are able to distinguish themselves just because of the volume. Like what have you done that someone else has not done better? And as we add more people to it, now what is it, two billion? Three people, billion people get, that's even, not even half yet. And think about when there's five billion, six billion, how can you distinguish yourself from the masses? You can't. And when everybody's online, and everybody's showing their version of what life is, it'll make you resentful because, mom, dad, why am I don't have this? The few that control the access to the internet are the ones that will control what everyone else sees. Now, you are a consumer. You look at the internet and you consume it. But don't you know? that the people on the other side control what you see and what you can't see. You go on to sites such as Facebook and what you see on the side trending, you think that just because of you that is there or some people curating what you see there. The power is not yours. You're mistaken if you think that you're creating all this trending topic, you're not. And those people will have more and more power and you become less and less distinguishable from everyone else. And when resentment grows to a certain point, there's a revolution and there will be killing, there will be destruction. That's how society has been. Study it, you will see. That's how revolution has created. Monarch rise and fall, and new governments come and go, and it's because people become less and less happy and resentful. And the churches try to be relevant in all of this by becoming all things to all people. Let's have more things that people like here at church, and we betray the truth of Jesus Christ. What is that? Unfortunately, not a lot of people can articulate Jesus Christ today because in our family, what we do?
On a day where we're supposed to go to church and we're supposed to worship God, what do we do? What do we do? We look at this church time out. Oh man, I have to take this time out and then go to church and listen to the pastor where I can go out there and do my own thing. I can't wait until this worship time over so I can go and do my own thing and make my own money. But the Apostle Paul, I want to give you that introduction so that I can give you some hope here. In chapter 2, verse 1, if, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. You see, this is not new. The Apostle Paul had lived in this environment and he said, there is hope. There is solace. Consolation is solace. There's peace in Christ. If I just look at this and I give you the analysis of what's going on in society today, I'll be in such a despair by looking at how things are. Imagine this. The people that I depend on fail continually all the time. It's a disparity to think about people, life. But if we turn to Christ, we turn to Jesus Christ, there's hope. The Apostle Paul says, if there be therefore any consolation, if there be any hope in Jesus Christ, if any comfort of love, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit. You see, I spent a little time with you, maybe a little more than most of you do with each other in terms of spending time in Christ. But you know what? I spend more time with Jesus Christ than with you. And therefore, I'm filled with hope because I know that there is only one consolation and that is when we spend that time in Jesus Christ. There's hope, there's fellowship of the Spirit. If any bowels and mercy fulfill my joy, there's joy when we have fellowship with Jesus. That ye be like mine, having the same love, being in one accord and one mind. And that's the only way for us to be in one accord, one mind, one love, is when we come together in the fellowship with Jesus Christ. If you come here and fellowship with each other, you have nothing. All you have is envy and strife. All you have is contention. But if you come and unite it in the love for Jesus Christ, then you have consolation, solace in Christ. Let's examine Jesus Christ. A man not for himself. Let's begin with verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. What do these two words mean? What is strife? Strife means you fight with each other. That's strife. You want something that someone else has. That is strife. What is vainglory? Vainglory is making yourself glorious, making yourself look better than you are. All that is vain. It's vanity. It's worthless. It's nothingness. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. The Lord Jesus Christ, he was the image of what humility is. That word is very strange to many families today, unfortunately. Humility is something that we don't teach each other because if you teach a kid humility, they get stepped on, right? Don't be humble. Stand up for yourself. Humility is not something we teach our kids anymore. We teach them to be arrogant. We teach them to be selfish, to grab what they can. Is there a sale there? I talked to a friend of mine. Hey, Best Buy is giving away stuff. Could you go there and get it for me? Get a couple. I don't want anything there. Just, what, what, could you go get it for me then? There's no more shame in being selfish anymore. We are all from the generation of Jesus Christ. He was humble. And look at the ways that he is humble. Now, in Ezekiel, it says that God who walked up and down among the stars, the God who walked up and down among, think about the stars. We send out there this probe into our sun. We can't get too close to the sun because when you get too close to the sun, what happened? Yeah, you all know. The sun, the star is so powerful. Even the magnetic ejection from the sun, the sun has such a powerful magnetic force. And what happened is that ma magnetic force, sometimes it protrudes out of the sun and then it breaks. 
and it sends this gamma ray into the space. And when it hits the Earth, the satellite, we have our own magnetic field, so it protects us from that. But the satellite, some of the satellites get hit by this ray. You know what happens to it? It loses all energy. The scripture says that God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, walked among the stars. This God that became a man, that lived among us, was able to walk among the stars. Not only that, in Revelation it says, he held the seven stars in the palm of his hands. Just our solar system is so tiny, it's so big to us, and it's so tiny to God. He holds seven stars in his hands. That is seven solar systems in his hands. Just imagine the magnitude of his, the magnitude, uh, the power of the Son of God. He became a man. If you put anyone out there in space and they have that kind of authority, and you ask, would you like to be a mere mortal like us? And their response will be, are you kidding me? How dare you speak to me? The Son of God, your Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, he condescended, he came down and be one of us. That is called humility. Now, on the other hand, we mere mortals, and we say, hey, look at me. Look how good I am. The apostle says, what have you received that it was not given to you? What have anyone received that's not given? Think of the person, the smartest person that you know, maybe Albert Einstein. What can he come up with that someone else before him didn't lay a foundation so that he can work on? No one, no one come up anything on their own. They built their knowledge and their experience and their invention on someone else's work. No one except for the Son of God who walked among the stars, held the seven star in his hand and came down. He has all the right to be as glorious as he wants to be. He has all the right to claim that I'm better than anyone else. But he didn't. He came down and lived among us. That's humility. Now, every time you want to puff yourself up and say, look at me, think about that. Think about the one who walked among the stars and he came down. The author of our lives came down, walked with us, be with us, and says, I am your friend, but I'm also your Lord. Secondly, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't only care about yourself, but take care of other people. This is what that verse means. This is so foreign to us now. Let me take care of myself first. And then after you take care of yourself, you have no one else to take care of. Because everyone else is out for themselves. Remember, we don't think about other people as a society. Jesus Christ, he cared not for himself, but he took care of us. Because if he cared for himself, he wouldn't have to come down here. He lived for us, and we killed him. The difference between Jesus Christ and us. He came down here for us, and then we got rid of him because we didn't like him. The difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and mankind today is in these words. He says, all that are weary and heavy laden come unto me. I will give you rest. You see, his life is about giving. He calls all the people who are weary, all the people who are upset because of everything that ha had happened to them. He called all those that are tired to come to him and that he would give them life. He'd give them rest, he'd give them peace, and that's ongoing. Is that something that you do today? If you have something, would you share it? You say, yeah, of course I'd share it. Well, let me ask you this, will you give it away? The only way for us to be like Christ, and when we do give ourselves away, you lose nothing, but you gain someone else. You see, if you have something that is good, and I give it to someone else, I let them enjoy it. When I go away from that person, I still enjoy it. 
because I see the smile, I see the enjoyment, I see the happiness. It doesn't go away because I didn't consume it. I experienced it vicariously, meaning through another person. That's how he gave his life for us. And when he watched us on that cross, having life, when we took away his life, that's why he says, it is finished. No one can take away that joy from him. Even if you kill him, no one takes away that joy. But if you consume it for your own pleasure, it's gone. And then you're left wanting someone else's stuff. Number three, greed. His abnegation. Abnegation is when you have something and you reject it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus Christ was in the form of God. He was God himself. But he deferred in taking advantage of that form when he incarnate and become just like us. Not only he became just like us, but he became just like the ugliest of us. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, the weakest among us. As a root out of the dry ground, he didn't have a good family. He had no form, no comeliness. If you see someone like him, you wouldn't want to take a picture of. It just wastes your memory space. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He became the least of us so that he can save us all. Then no one would say, well, but wasn't he born in a palace? Wasn't there a kingdom already established and Jesus Christ was born in this golden crib that everyone, look at this majestic son of some glorious king. No, he was born in a manger. There was no more room for him. Shepherds were the first one that came to worship him. He came lowliest place, whereas he came from the highest to the lowliest place. So the Lord Jesus Christ became what everyone can say, I'm better than him. When we dare to despise the lowliest of all, think about this. Jesus Christ was the lowliest of everyone. We drive by this man out there this morning. He was just sitting there in the wheelchair at the exit of, of the freeway. And he sat there. I'm not sure if he was reading something or he's sleeping, but I thought about this. Could that be Jesus? Do I look at him and despise his presence? Why is he sitting there on my freeway? Somebody should take this man away. Jesus Christ came for that man and he came for all of us. He came to the lowliest place. Whenever you encounter someone on the street and they, are, they look less than desirable, think about this. That was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was someone who was even at a lower position than that person. However, despicable might be, he's in the United States of America. Are there other lowlier places in the world that a person can be? So he gave everything for us. His abnegation, Jesus Christ. He had the authority. He had all the glory of God. And he stripped all that away. And he said, I will live as men. When the disciples drew out the sword, cut off the ear of the servant who came to take Jesus away. This is what Jesus says in asserting his authority. He says, don't you know, if I want to, I can ask my father and he will give me 12 legions of angels. He didn't do it. He had the authority. He had all the right to do it and he could do it, but he abnegated that authority. And he said, I will live and I will be captured and I will be crucified. Not only that, when they came and captured him and he said, 
are thou the Christ? And he says, I am. And what did they do? They all fell to the ground. His authority, even his word had authority. But then he allowed them to kill him. He could just say, no. He said in John chapter 16, verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore I said that he shall take of mine and shall show it to you. He came here so that we can see him and we can inherit his inheritance. And that's what Jesus did for us. That beggar out there is richer than all of us because he has the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't despise people. Don't say that you are better than anyone because we are not. The Lord was better than anyone and he abnegated his authority and be with us and for us. Verse 7, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. His position, his fame, his glory, it's all inherent to Christ. He didn't have to work for it. He existed with all the glory that ever was. Now, what are we striving for? I'm going after your lights, your hearts that you vibing for from your friends. Look through your feed, you look at your picture, and they don't have the number of likes that you like. Are you upset? Is your story not more people tweeted? Jesus Christ, he made himself of no reputation. In fact, he rejected reputation. When people came and they wanted to make him king, he slid away. He didn't want it. He didn't want reputation. He's not here to be king. Even though they want to make him king so that they can have the authority and the prestige that Christ had, but he didn't want it because the kingdom of our Lord is not the kingdom of this world. Jesus Christ wants his kingdom to be where? In you. He wants his kingdom to be in you, to be established in you, and not in some place, some dominion, some Jerusalem. That's not where he wants his, his kingdom. He wants his kingdom to be in your heart, to rule, so that you will have the likeness of Jesus Christ, the humility, the selflessness, the abnegation, the hatred of reputation. He wants to do one thing, my Father's will. And people hated him for it. And what are we looking for today? We're looking for prestige. We're looking for people's adoration. Oh, that's a cute picture of you. Like, 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 like. That's what we are going for. Does that represent the Lord Jesus Christ? He was rejected. The Apostle Paul says this, do I persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul made it very clear. His life was not here to please men. He wrote things that people were angry with him, just like Jesus Christ. But his life was a life that he wanted to live in devotion and in purity to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote this to the Galatians in chapter 1. He said, you once liked me, but now you don't like me anymore. Once before, when you were more like Jesus Christ, you would have poked out your eyes for me because I have bad eyes. But now you despise me. Now you hate me. And he said, the more I love you, the more you hate me. And he said, it matters not. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please Jesus Christ. Is that your MO? How we should operate in this life. Not that we don't care what other people think, but we care more what God thinks. And that should be what we should focus on first. Not how many retweets that we got, not how many redistribution of our content that we obtained, not how many likes that we got, but are you living your life in pleasing to God or to man? Number eight, his obedience and being found 
in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. He was a man just like us so that we cannot say, but he was God. Yes, he was God, but he lived just like us without any of the things that we don't have. He was hungry, just like you and I. He was sleepy, just like you and I. Remember on the boat, the storm, he was back there sleeping. He was tired. He was weary, he was thirsty, just like all of us. Yet, he lived his life in pleasing to God, in complete obedience. Now, the opposite word of obedience, stubbornness, that seems to be what individuality is made of today. I am an individual because I don't do what other people do. That's why don't do what other people do. But do what God wants you to do. And it could be just like everyone else. Would you, are you willing? Or you just want, I want it my own way. I want to do this my own way. I want to be different. For what sake? You want to be different? You know what? Someone else had done it. Thousands of other people have done it. There's no other ways. You can't be imaginative if someone else has already done something. Just like that and even better. Your stubbornness is nothing new. It's been there since the beginning. But Jesus Christ lived his life in obedience. He had every reason to live for himself. But he didn't. When in the garden, in the agony of impending death, what did Jesus say? Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. But his response was, not my will, but thine be done. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. The Lord Jesus Christ, not only he was obedient, but he was meek. Do unto him whatever you want, if that's the will of God. Are you willing to do that? Or are you easily provoked? Someone just say, give you a tiny little hint that they might have some ill thought about you and you stand up and you say, say what? Are you bullying me? You know, I, but we've become sensitive in all the wrong ways uh, as a society that we're taking everything as a personal insult. Someone says something about someone and we just happen to be in the way that sound wave come by us and we think that that was directed toward us. We are so easily insulted and we vocalize in responding to those insults. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he was insulted personally. They beat him. They took his coat. They put a crown of thorn on his head. And he said, you can do it unto me. You can do it all unto me. I'll say nothing. Pilate says, don't you have anything to say in your defense? Silent. He had no response. He didn't want to respond. That's the Christ that we should imitate. That is the Jesus Christ that we should imitate in all the ways that we can be obedient unto God because this is what God's will concerning us is. Finally, his sacrifice. Do you live for small wins? The Lord Jesus Christ, in the same verse, became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. From the beginning to when he said, it is finished, he became a total sacrifice for us. There's nowhere in his life, nowhere in the moment of his existence that he did not live fully for God. And in the end, at, on the cross, when he spoke his last words, it is finished, it was finished. Perfectly done for us. His sacrifice and everything that he did gave us the freedom so that today we live and how do you live now that Jesus Christ has given you the freedom. I came from a place where freedom was not something I had. 
if our family wanted to have some meat to eat, I was the, the meat mule. I have to carry the meat in my body to hide it so that people don't see that we sell our dogs for some money so that we can buy meat for the kids to eat. Because you can only have so much meat that the government give it to you. Now, if you consume all that, because unfortunately, my mom had siblings and their siblings have kids, so she took care of them and there's not enough food to go around for everyone. So we raise dogs and the dogs have puppies and we sell the puppies so that we can buy meat. But then if you get caught having meat, more than it was given to you or more than the allowed portion, the ration that they give to you, you get in trouble. So she brings me along to the market, she buys meat and then I have to take the meat and I have to stick it into my body as if it's part of my body. I live in that environment where freedom is not something that we have. And now I come over here in the land of the free. And what do I do with that freedom? Someone else took my parking space. The freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, he dies so that you can be free. How do you live your life? How do we live our life when we, in that, uh, we have that understanding? Take a step back, examine your heart, look comprehensively at everything that you do. Look at this and see where you are, where you stack up in what Jesus Christ has done for you. Is your life pride or humility? Is your pride me or others? Do you live for greed or do you abnegate your position? You humble yourself. Do you seek fame or servitude? Are you stubborn or are you obedient? Do you look for success or are you willing to sacrifice? Identify whether or not you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, or you're just your own person. Your individuality. Do you believe in Jesus? John 6, 16, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Some of you might be, and I hope not. When I listen to this and you say, this is hard. But here's Jesus Christ's answer to you. Philippians 4, in the same book, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Do you believe? I believe. I believe in every single person here can live a selfless life, a life of humility. I believe that. That's why I'm here. I believe that this community of believers will become a community that live not for themselves. I heard someone who was given some extravagant gift. Isn't that beautiful? It's not the beauty in the receiving. It is the beauty in the ability to give. That is beautiful. We should all be givers, just like Jesus Christ. He gave. You can receive, but in that reception, understand where that came from, and there's more joy in the giving than in the receiving. And when you give, nothing else can compare to it when you see the happiness and the joy and the satisfaction on the people that you give. That is what life is about. That is what we are here to do. We are givers. Jesus Christ came to seek and save those that are lost. He came to give and give freely. Be encouraged. Believe. I want to believe, but I don't know how to believe. You know, there's a man in the Bible that had this very same question. He had a, a son, and that son was demon-possessed. And the Lord says, I can save him, but do you believe? Here's his response. He says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. You see, we are a paradox. We want to believe, but we know we don't. So what do you do? That was it. 
That's all you need to do. Lord, I believe. I believe what you say. You hear what I'm saying today. You say, I believe all of this. And then you look at yourself and say, I don't believe I can do this. That's all you need to do. And if you do that, then the Lord will grant you the faith so that you can actualize what you wish to do in the Lord's name. Lord, we are grateful for what you have accomplished and done on our behalf. And your life set a standard so high, and yet we can attain unto the highest of this. If we believe, help our unbelief, Lord. Help us to believe that we too can have the life of Jesus Christ. We too can be humble. We too can be selfless. We too can reject fame and position and arrogance. We too can sacrifice just like you. Because you have said that we can do all things through you, through your name. So help each one of us, Lord, help our unbelief so that we can hold on and change our lives and see the church turn around and see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ be shown in our lives individually and collectively here as a church in the body of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.